In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Guys, if you're not going to be legit with your accountability partners, don't waste your time, don't waste their time. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I am here with my brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? Doing really good, Jim. And guys, thanks for joining us for the second part of Character Counts, Who's Counting Yours with Rod Hadley. Every man has to take inventory on this, uh, on this subject because the world, the, our sin nature, the enemy himself, they are slaughtering guys with pornography, impurity issues. I mean, it is, it is on billboards as we drive by. It's on our smartphones, the internet. I mean, it's, this thing is, is, this is 2020's biggest issue is this area, and we've got to address it. And so every accountability group I'm a part of, this question has to be asked. If you're not, you're doing a great disservice to the men of your group. You've got to ask this question. It don't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how young they are. I mean, I heard recently from a guy who was asked, a longtime seminary professor did a Q&A with him, and someone asked the question, so when does your sex drive in? And this old seminary professor said, three days after you're buried. Yeah. <laughs> I have another going, buddy. <laughs> I have a buddy in his 60s. He said, hey, when I was a young man, I thought about sex every three seconds. Now, every five seconds. <laughs> well, you know, our friend and a mutual board member with NCMMM, NCMM, Scott Hyma, uh, is the president of Christian Service Brigade, and they have seven uh, points of valor. And I asked him, which one do the young men struggle with the most? He said, purity. We have to address. And with our organization, every employee and board member is on covenant eyes. And honestly, that only takes you so far because there are other ways around it. And I know because I've done it. And so we have to really guard our lives. This is a massive problem. So question number three, have you been completely, and really this relates to question two and one, right? Have you been completely above reproach? And then you talk about your financial dealings. So when you talk about financial dealings, let's dig deep into this. What does this entail? 
what what comes up the most often uh credit cards uh debt tithing yeah uh i mean just anything related to your financial dealings and you know and you can tell a lot about a man what's on his uh, charge card bills so we are yeah. very very much talking about it this very morning we uh, every thursday is when i meet with my guys so this very morning i met with my guys and one of the things we talked about was uh our life insurance policies are our life insurance policies up to date that's part of financial dealings it's making sure that that we've looked at so i'm actually have a guy right now doing an assessment uh he looked he's looking at my enforce uh documents to make sure that i'm getting the best uh uh, situation for my money. So we're looking at some of that. And so this question forces me again to take inventory. It's part of me being responsible as a parent, as a, as a father, as a husband. And, and, uh, and, and, and our group is very, very uh, adamant about, about our tithes and our offerings and that we're, you know, giving of our first fruits to the Lord. Uh, Jim, if I didn't have that group of guys asking me about that, it might be easy to Kind of well, I'll just miss this week or miss this month or miss this year. I mean, it it, it could be easy to do that, but again, they yeah. hold me to the fire because they love me and they know what that looks like if I don't. So, what happens when you have a guy who is struggling with an issue? It can be anything, and you're quote holding him to the fire, and he refuses to change. What happens next? You've signed a covenant. He's now pushing back on the covenant. How do you respond to that man? Well, first of all, you respond with love. It's this about love, you know. And I and I've I've often said this. This is not in the book, but uh, the next time I ever do this book, I'm going to make sure that's in there. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge, and it's my job to love. So I'm going to leave the judging and convicting to God and the Holy Spirit. They're a lot better at that than me. My job is to love this guy. This, this, my job is to point them to the truth. My, my job is to point them to the word of God and let the Lord be the judge and let the Lord be the convictor. Because guess what? As, as good as I think I am, I can't do that. And I can't force them to do something they don't want to do. I can make it very difficult. <laughs> I can make yeah. it very, very, you know, and, and be that, that, that kind of that thorn in their flesh that's reminding them. But guess what? I'm walking, I'm walking with them through that. I'm not, I'm not, distancing myself. I'm not removing myself from their fellowship because we've made a covenant. Yeah, We've agreed that we're going to do this. And here's what happens. Uh, they may initially be, ah, you know, get out of my face, you know, but, but when the Holy Spirit convicts and God begins to judge, guess what? Many of those times we can circle back the next day, sometimes the next hour, the next week and say, Hey, wait, I need, Thank you for getting in my kitchen. Thank you for helping me. Let's let's work through this because they're they're committed to the same things I want to, and they realize I'm not there to hurt them. I'm there to help them. So that's how. So we this. That. So I interviewed a guy on the podcast years ago now, and one of his thoughts on accountability is at some point you go and walk those guys right over to their wives, and I, I thought, man, that just seems like a very destructive. It, it, does it ever get to that with you guys, where you're you say, hey, we need to go address this publicly? It has, and uh, I'll give you just a it's, a, it's kind of a sad story. We had one of our guys, uh, one of the early guys in our group that, uh, that we did bring the wife into the equation, but because yeah. our attempts 
to get through to him were just they're getting stonewalled. They're getting, and he was feeding her a message that wasn't consistent with what we knew uh, was going uh, on. And 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 so we did that. Uh, sadly, it did not end well. Uh, he, he chose to be the victim and not the victor. He chose to wa- walk away. And, and even to this day, he's walked away. But I will say this. Uh, she was grateful. She was appreciative. And if, and, if, and if we were to go back and turn back the clock's time, she'd say, you guys did the right thing because you brought the right spirit to this. And you weren't there to crush us. You're there to help us. And he chose, he chose to go a different path. And I'll be real honest, this guy has lost, he not only lost his wife, he's lost a lot. And that's hard to, hard to see. But, you know, again, we're all products of the choices that we make. And as much as we wanted to help him, he really didn't want to help himself. He didn't want to, he didn't want to take that inventory. He didn't want to own it, didn't want to be responsible. And so, and so he, he, it, it, it grieves me to this day, but it is what it is. And, and, uh, now, I wish there's a, and, and maybe who knows, 10, 20 years from now, he may circle back and say, he thinks guys were kicking my rear and, and I paid the price. Uh, but I know you, I know, I know bottom line, you loved me and you cared about me. You didn't do this to hurt me. You did this to help me. Well, and that's the part of accountability that's tough because if a man is not willing to be accountable yet putting himself under the authority of an accountability group at some point, he has to be called into an account and that's the hard, hard and harsh reality of it. And so I appreciate you sharing that because a lot of times we'll look at these things and go, Oh, it's all, you know, peaches and cream. And it isn't because life is messy. So Rod question. I know that you run two large gatherings a week with men. And then I know that you're involved in accountability groups. Those are different than the large gatherings, right? Will you tell us how many accountability groups are you personally involved with? So the same group that I've been involved with for now in our 30th year of meeting wow. weekly with a group of guys. And of that, uh, four of those are original guys. And we have two, two uh, guys that have joined us a little bit later, but rich history. Uh, and, and the questions, Jim, is what keeps the group vibrant and current. Uh, because guess what? The answers to those questions change all the time. Uh, and, and so it, there's energy, there's excitement, uh, there's a void when I miss it. Uh, I, and, and it is, it is critical. So that group of, uh, which is now six of us, we, we are together on a weekly basis. We block out two hours wow, uh, okay. to, 6 to an 8 AM time, uh, until, uh, pre COVID we were face to face meeting together since COVID occurred, we're actually doing all these by zoom and, and, while we physically are not in the same room, I'll be real honest. Some of our conversations have been better on Zoom than they were face to face. I mean, yeah. because because of this relationship that we've already had for many many years, it has been really special to connect with these guys, and and uh, it's been you know we, we're not distracted, we're, we're we're locked in on each other. So it's 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 been it's been huge. And then I will say this, because I have so much freedom and transparency with that group of six, I also, many of the men I meet with, both from a, from standpoint of hundreds of guys or even in one-on-one or, you know, there's also that same spirit of accountability that exists there because I don't want to waste their time and they don't want to waste my time. 
And so we, 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 we get down to the nitty gritties. And so there's a, there's dozens of other guys that I'm doing this with, maybe not on a formal basis with this, but we're doing, we're, we're, we're pulling some of these questions and I'm asking, so how's your purity this week? I mean, tell me about your Jesus time. Tell me about, you know, uh, you know, are you, are, you know, are, are you up to date on your relationship world? You know, are you, are you not, not being satisfied with the finances? So I'm, I'm doing that with these people that are not part of my group, but the principles still apply to those other conversations as well. So one more question, then we'll jump into question four. So there are 10 questions. You spend two hours with your guys. In my brain, I'm working this out. There's no way you can go through all 10 questions and have all guys answer all 10 questions. So how does it, boots on the ground, how does it work? Who asks the questions and how do you choose which questions get asked? So we do it different styles uh, just to kind of shake it up. Sometimes we will do, hey, let's all answer question one. Let's all answer question two and just go around the circle and do it that way where we're kind of sharing leadership. Sometimes we'll say, hey, give us a report on uh, on all 10 questions. And the two that we're really, really specific on is question one and question 10. Uh, we'll get to question 10 in a few minutes. Oh, that's uh, my favorite. <laughs> But 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 those are the two linchpins of, of of all these groups, and uh, and and so obviously not every week we get through every question, and and because of you know the reality of our the world we live in, some guys say hey I got to leave at seven twenty because I got an eight o'clock meeting. So so yeah. they mean, but we make sure before a guy leaves that question one and question ten are answered at a minimum, okay, and, that's, uh, that's and so but but we also do the. Hey, hey, Rod, you give your full report. So I'll just go down the questions and say, hey, let me give you an update on da, 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 da. And, uh, and when I get to the end, I might say, hey, and here's a couple of things that really the questions don't cover that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned to you guys uh, that's going on. It might be a heart issue. It might be a, uh, an integrity issue. It might be uh, something I want to d- dive into a little bit deeper with. So, so we, use, we use multiple approaches. But again, when you do it for 30 years, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to look, it's going to look different. I'd say the no, first six months that a, a group meets when you're trying to build some of this stuff, just do everybody do question one, everybody do question two. Hey, we're almost out of time. Let's go to question 10. We're done. You know, and go for no, I appreciate that. Always the knowledge that question number 10 is coming. <laughs> the knowledge that that question is coming is powerful in itself, but we're only on question four. And I think four is a massive uh, question as well. Uh, one of the things I saw, I was at the uh, hardware store the other day and some guys walked by and they were, they did it. They just complete head swivel on my bumper sticker. And my bumper sticker is a bumper sticker that we've put out and it says wife is greater than kids. Mm-hmm. And so unlock number four question, the fourth question, which says, have you spent quality relationship time with your family and friends? And you and, uh, and you wrote in your book, after God, the most important relationship you have is with your spouse. Usually during courtship, it's easy to focus on inter- your energies on your future mate. But when but many men stop the romance within hours of saying I do. So this is a huge question in the context of marriage and balance between work and family. So unpack it. Well, and, and you, you stole my thunder on this one because that's exactly <laughs> right. So I tell you, we stopped dating and romancing this our best friend, and we 
the pursuit has ended. We, we've achieved uh, the goal and now we're moving on. And so uh, I, 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 boots to the ground on this question was two of the three guys, two of the guys in my accountability group, we actually uh, established a dating system back when our kids were, you know, just newborns. Uh, between the three of us, we have, let me think here, uh, 11 kids. I've got four. One of the guys got four. One guy's got three. And they and we all had them pretty much in the same era. So what we would do is two of the three of us would have a date night twice a month. And the third guy would get all 11 kids, he and his wife. And we did that for uh, literally the, their all their early years. Wow. So we were guaranteed 24 date nights in a year, 12 date, 12 nights. We were the, the babysitters. So our kids were together 36 times in a year. Guess what? To this day, those kids are all in their twenties. Now they are best of friends. They will travel the country. They're actually accountability relationships, but it, it forced us to live out question four. It forced yeah. us to say, yeah. Well, hey, I got all this other stuff on my schedule, but my best friend I don't have a date night with. And so guys literally, and I'm an old school guy. I'm a I'm a, you know, grab the grab the calendar and you know do the highlighting. My guys would grab my calendar and they'd say, Hey, I see you go here, there, and everywhere. Where's that date night with your spouse? Hmm. You love your kids, but where when are you with your kids? And they would, they would, they would, uh, again, because I want to be responsible because I want to be honest, guess what? I've got to give an accounting. And, and, and so this quality time with family and friends isn't just talking about it. It's actually doing it. And so it's engaging eyeball to eyeball. That's the only way you do relationship is eyeball to eyeball. You don't do it, you know, any other way that I know of effectively, and so we want to we want to make sure that we're engaged. And one of the one of the coolest parts of our weekly group now, because our kids are now out of the home, is we get a chance to talk about our kids, about 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 their relationships, about how we're trying to be creative when they're afar of connecting with them as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is this is this is this is probably the most fun. You know, if there's any question that's fun, this is the fun one. Now it wouldn't be fun if we weren't doing relationship. Yeah, but because we got a history that that's a we, that bar is real high. Guess what? We're reaping the benefits of those relationships now. That's really good, man. Well, while you're speaking, I I thought of uh, my marriage assessment, and so we had a guy on our podcast, Pat Combs, a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about ranking your marriage one to ten, and so we addressed that. And I gave my marriage an eight, and my wife gave it a seven, so that was good. But I thought about what you just said, is my marriage an integer or is my marriage a fraction? And I guess a bigger thought would be, is my marriage whole or is it fractured? Mm -hmm. And how do we, how do we bring healing on page 147 Mm -hmm. of the book? You said, God expects our best efforts in all our endeavors, whether on the job, the classroom, the athletic field, or within the church or with our spouse, children, family, we are supposed to do our best for God's glory. God is our audience, not our employer, teacher, coach, pastor, or spouse. When we remember that, he's the one who we serve, and performance can be centered solely on him. And as an FCA guy, you're very familiar with Colossians 3.23, that whatever you do work out with all your heart is working for the Lord. It's this whole audience of one. But I got to tell you, Rod, uh, a lot of guys out there, 
give me pushback on this one because of my athletic background. A lot of Christian guys struggle with uh, giving their best, saying, well, we should just be able to naturally produce fruit. And so I, I struggle with this. I mean, I think men should push themselves and should give their best effort and should put it, push themselves the breaking point in everything they do. What are you, what are your thoughts on question five, which is, have you done 100% your best 100% in your job school, et cetera? Well, this is a heart question. I mean, this is, this gets down to the, you know, the attitude of your heart or you're doing it for illegitimate reasons are you doing it because you're really all in or are you just kind of going through the motions and i'm i'm with you jim i mean i'd rather not do anything than to do something poorly and uh and so i'd rather be hot or cold because the scripture says if i'm lukewarm he he will spew out of my mouth and so when i think about i want to be i want to be on fire hot yeah Uh, i don't want to just do something lackluster and and what motivates me, and it's covered in that chapter, is that whole audience of one component. And I referenced one of my high school teammates that that shared uh, in a very very vivid memory of of his perspective of playing football, and he pictured Jesus Christ was sitting on the fifty yard line up in the stands watching him play, and he told me right to my face, you know, I'm playing for him and not for you. He's the one I, he's the one I'm performing for. And he wasn't trying to gain God's favor. He just wanted to please the Father. He just wanted to 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 know that he'd been a man of excellence. And so and so I don't care what you do in, in terms of of uh, uh, you know the, the compartment you have or it's a job or family or or just you know your workouts or whatever that it may be do it do it all for the do it all as hard as you can now yes. competitor <laughs> and that, and, and, and this can be hard because man, I want to, I could, I could push to a, a standpoint of where I think it's now performance based. God, aren't you impressed with all the things I'm doing? No, he's not really because his blood is sufficient. That's all we really need. But knowing, knowing that I want to please him is the goal, not, not gain his favor. That's not the goal. It's, it's to please him. And that's, and that, that question, I love that question because, again, at the end of the day, I know in my heart if I gave my best or I didn't. And well, and and, and when I don't do my best, I'm there's remorse. There's there's I, I know, oh Lord, I I didn't give my best. So when I answer that with the guys, uh, I, sometimes it's with a heavy heart. I didn't I didn't do my best. Um, you know, I, I took a shortcut. I yeah missed an opportunity. Yeah. But those guys don't condemn me. They don't judge me. They say, "Hey, Rod, next week we're going to help you. We're going to help you. We're gonna help you do this the right way." Well, you know, it's funny the, the the book in the book you reference a guy on your high school team who was always first in sprints, and that's where that's the story true. came yeah. from. Yeah. And I got to yeah. tell you, I got to tell you this right now because I was not a Christian in high school. My football coach led me to Christ at the end of my senior year, but during wind sprints, there was a guy, and I know he's listening to this podcast right now. To Hatchby, California, Deke Maxwell. Deke, I know you're listening. That guy was always first in sprints, and it just drove us crazy because it made us look bad. And he's a he was a Christian guy. So when I read your story, I thought, oh, that was Deke Maxwell. So uh, Deke, thanks for the man you are after all these years, and he's still doing it hard for Jesus. He's now a PE 
teacher in high school. So I thought that was fun. So yeah, give it a hundred percent. So let's move on to question six. And I love, you have a quote that I thought was really good. I want to share. You said, it's been said, there are three kinds of people, those who say they are great, those who say they are not, and those who forget who they are, which reminds me of C.S. Lewis's quote. Who's, and he said, humility is not thinking of your thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I got to be honest with you, Rod, you hit a nerve on this one. I think you hit a nerve with every guy. We can deal with our wife and we can deal with lust and we can deal with our quiet time. But man, on page 159, you said this. Often half-truths are spoken out of convenience rather than taking the needed time to be absolutely correct. The irony of the half-truth is that it's actually 100% a lie. Powerful. (laughs) That is why we try to address and eliminate part of our regular conversations with others. Here is question six. And like I said, uh, this struck a nerve with me, right? Because I do this. Have you told any half-truths or outright lies putting yourself in a better light than those around you? (laughs) Walk us through that one. So uh, this is not a new quote, but an old quote, uh, but not, (laughs) I haven't put it in the book yet, but the next version will have it. A half-truth told as a whole truth is a complete untruth. And uh, and that's that that, that whole picture of, of have you told the truth or not? Uh, yeah, this is a convicting question because, because guys, they like to glamorize themselves or maybe not look as, uh, shady as, uh, as it really is. And so we'll paint a picture that, that kind of, you know, doesn't really reveal the truth. And, and I will say this, this is the most common question of the 10 that surfaces back when we answer question 10. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they will say, "Hey, can I go back and and correct this story?" Already, the Lord through the rest of those questions has convicted them that I can't answer number ten because number six is uh, is I didn't tell the total truth for sure. So this this happens the most frequently with this question, and again, this is just a real guard, and it's not just what we say uh, about ourselves. But this question also deals with gossip, uh, and, and and we do that in, in terms of a Christian, uh, you know, a Christianese uh, way. Hey, I need you to pray for so and so. That da 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 da, and 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 so this one is uh, really about guarding your tongue, guarding you know the things that you say. Again, thinking uh, intentionally and proactively uh, about what you're going to say before you just kind of blurt out stuff uh, because I think it's, it's convenient. It's easy to kind of go there and, and it doesn't bring glory to God. It doesn't bring, it, it brings, it doesn't make the Lord look good at all. And so uh, there's a reason why James one nineteen I think it's one nineteen be quite quick to speak or quick to uh, help me out here. Be slow uh, to speak and slow to speak. slow. <laughs> I, I can't pull it together. There's three quick things. To quick to hear. Quick to hear. Quick to listen. Yeah. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Yeah, hey, that's we why it. we're not that's why we're not pastors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know, on that was a that's a tough one because I, I call it the redneck pissing contest. You know, we just kind of, you know, get in a circle and see who can spray the farthest. And and especially with leaders, right? You get around leaders and the first thing they say is, Well, how big is your 
your ministry or I spoke here or I did this and we keep score. And uh, I'm not so sure that glorifies God when we're when we're keeping score. You know, my job when I walk away from this podcast should be to highlight Rod Handley and his ministry, not to highlight my ministry if I'm doing this right. So that re- I really did appreciate that. It did strike a nerve. I wasn't really happy with it, but I think it's good in the long run. So pain is sometimes a good thing. So question number seven. Okay, so if we were playing football on the sandlot and you and I were the team captains picking our teams, this is my opinion. This would probably be the last one picked for me. To me, this would be the last one picked. So I, I think that I want you to explain this. I think it's wonderful, and I love it. I just thought in the context of things, it might have been the last one picked on the Sandlot football team. And and I'll have you unpack this with us. So, again, back to the Sandlot. Question seven is this. Have you shared the gospel with an unbeliever this week? And I thought that was really interesting. I personally try to fish for men everywhere I go. But in the context of accountability, there's got to be a reason why this is a question you ask weekly. Can you unpack this? Well, notice seven is, uh, you know, the number seven is also part of this equation because seven's the number for God. Uh, And, uh, you know, we also uh, are just, I think we can internalize our Christianity so much and just think that, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let my witness sh- uh, light shine without saying anything. And I'm all for that. I mean, I think that our excellent behavior should be a, to draw people to Christ. Our, uh, our, uh, hopefully the activities they see us doing is a reflection that, you know, this guy's something's different about their life. But, but here's the reality. Uh, we need to, we need to sometimes speak up and tell what, what's the hope we have again, not with a, a condemning or judging spirit, but to let them know that we've got some really good news. We've got some good news and we would, uh, would you like to hear about where the joy comes from? Would you like to hear where, you know, why, why, why I do the things I do and to take advantage of those opportunities to be the witnesses that God wants us to be as proclaimed in, in Matthew 28, you know, you'll be my witnesses at the end of the end of the world. So are we, are we uh, have our eyes open? and our ears open to things that God puts directly in our path. Uh, it could be someone at the, at the grocery store in a passing conversation. It could be, uh, you know, somebody uh, that you see at church and you're, and you're, and you're not, not ashamed of the gospel. You're not ashamed of, of where the hope comes from and you're willing to give testimony to testify of that. Now, obviously not every week is someone going to have that opportunity but because the question is there, it's on your radar that you're thinking, you know, it, you know, who is God strategically put in my path uh, that that uh, that I can have a conversation with? And again, uh, you may just be planting seeds. You just may be throwing out seeds. Uh, the Lord's the only one that can get see someone get saved. But you're you're not, you know, burying your head in the sand and saying, no, I I I'm not going to go there. And 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 making it very difficult for them to know the, what, what the Lord's doing in your life. So that, that's, that's, the, that's the context. Well, I mean, and I, I'm so tired of two things. I'm tired of Matthew 7, 1 being quoted out of context. You know, don't judge me. When in Matthew seven thirteen he says, you'll know them by their fruit. And I'm also tired of people taking a phrase that a monk said who did not interact with people. In fact, he was known for interacting with animals. St. Francis, who said, seriously, he was he's known for being an animal guy, 
preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. I don't know why we we hang our hats on that verse when when Jesus told us to take the gospel to you know Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so uh, I asked the question tongue in cheek, knowing how important it is. Uh, one of the things that attracted me you know Shanna early on was she said, "You're either a missionary or a mission field." I thought, you know what, you go, girl. I am going out there fishing. I am not the fish. And so we're going to go get these guys. So I think that's important that we are not. You quoted a Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation. And so it's putting us, it's positioning men to be the, um, I don't want to use the word aggressors, but but I'm using it to, to go aggressively and boldly out there as witnesses of Jesus. So I really did appreciate question seven. So the, the next one here, question eight. And I, this is the most overlooked one in the entire church. For some reason, the church is okay with number eight not being a part of the uh, a Christianity. You know, uh, Gene gets in his book, The Measure of a Man, mentions it. He goes uh, and deals with the uh, 20 qualifications of biblical elder in the pastoral epistles. Uh, in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, we read about the fruits of the Spirit. And I get pushback on this. I, I just think that... Uh, uh, Got certain guys are disqualified from ministry because this one here. And a question eight, you said this. You said, have you taken care of your body through three things, physical exercise, proper eating, and sleeping habits? So you've got two schools of thought. In Christianity, you've got this, hey, who cares? It's, just the, it's the unspoken sin that we accept. But on the other hand, you've got this other secular side where I have a guy on I follow on social media who every morning posts a picture of his watch, and it's usually between 4.15 and 4.30, and he boasts of three to four hours of sleep a night. So you've got this very unhealthy secular viewpoint, and you've got this very unhealthy spiritual viewpoint, and we seem to ignore this gluttony. And so question, so question eight is so appropriate, and I, I just want you to walk us through it. Because I get hammered for this, and I tell people, no, why? Well, he's fat. He doesn't care. Or... They don't care about their drinking, and they drink too much, or they have a tolerance to alcohol. Uh, can you unpack this with us? And, and I hope we're on the same page here. <laughs> oh, we are. Oh, we are. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we got one shot of this body, guys. You know, we're, we're a temple. We're a temple. And, and what we put into this temple, what we do to this temple, uh, guess what? There are, there are consequences and benefits if we do it the right way or the wrong way. I mean, it's, you know, this is, this is a classic, you reap what you sow. And if you're sowing uh, habits that are not taking care of the body, guess what? You're going to pay a price. Uh, obesity is, is like you say, kind of the one of those untouchable areas that we we give a lot of guys a pass on. Uh, and, and what's crazy, we can see it. We can see they're not healthy. We can see them panting for, you know, going up and down the stairs. We can see that they're struggling with this and that and the other, and yet, we're, we're not doing something to help them. Now, I'll be real honest. I, you asked about how many groups I have. There was a season, I think it was about 10 years ago, where I had crept to my highest weight. You know, and it's, it's a slow thing. It's not like oh, overnight, yeah. 30 pounds. But, but I was at my highest weight that I'd ever been at. And I realized I needed to take a deeper dive into question eight. So I actually formed a second group of guys that were also battling the same issue I was. We affectionately called our group the Fit Five. We had a little code name. 
And five of us met together at 5 a.m. That's the only time that we could find that we could actually uh, still make some of my early morning meetings. So we met at, at 5 a.m., five of us, for the purposes, sole purpose of being fit spiritually and physically. So we concentrate on number one and number eight. And we brought, get this, we brought a weigh scale to our meeting. Serious accountability. Now, I want to tell you something. 40 weeks after we started that group, I had lost 40 pounds. I lost 40 oh, pounds. Oh, wow. Because guess what? There was a very, very intentional and proactive. Uh, and guess what? I had guys. And guess what? We did that together. It was a, a joy. That, that season passed and I, goals were achieved. And, and, and that group disbanded. Uh, after we saw, you know, after about less than a year, we, we disbanded because because we achieved the goal. But I tell you what, uh, this one we got to be serious about because again, yeah. we got one shot. We got one shot, and and uh, we could be lulled to sleep if we're not taking ourselves physically with our sleep, our exercise habits, the eating, the whole bit. And so uh, our guys, even today, the group I meet with, uh, were. We're pushing each other to, to do things right. I began something 15 months ago, Jim. You'll appreciate this. I was about to have my 60th birthday, and I realized every day I was getting weaker and older every day. Now, I can't do anything about the older piece. That's Father Time is clicking along. Yeah. But I, I said, I can do something about the weaker. Mm-hmm. I went online to ask, how does someone get strong quick? <laughs> I wasn't looking for, you know, I want, I want to get quick fast. And I read and I, and I, and it was validated by numerous people. It says, if you want to do one thing, start doing push-ups, push-ups and planks, whole body moves, whole body moves. It's the best. If you're, if you got only got one, one uh, club in your, in your hands and your, in your, this is the club you want to take. So I began to do push-ups and planks 15 months ago. Now, Actually, I just wrote this down, so I'm going to give you the real number. At, through last Saturday, because I'm I'm going to count it. I keep track of stuff. I you know I make lists. You know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have, I have done eighty six thousand and seventy push-ups in fifteen months, and I've done three thousand three hundred eighty one minutes of planks, which equates to fifty six hours of planks. And I want to tell you something, Jim. My back is better. My tone is of my body is better. I am so much stronger than I was 15 months ago. And one of the keys to my success, and again, you know, Rod in the flesh can't do this. I mean, Rod, I mean, I'm looking for an easy way not to do this because discipline is hard. It's hard. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable to be, you know, crank out, you know, several hundred pushups a day, which is what I end up doing. But the thing that was so cool about it, one of my accountability partners says, I'll do it with you. So, so offline, he and I are talking about how's your pushups going? How's your planks going? And we're comparing numbers. And I saw him Sunday at church uh, and he was wearing, and I said, man, you are looking, what is up with you? You're looking good. And he just grinned at me and, and you could see, you could see in his face. You could see it. I mean, his wife is just beaming because she knows what he's been doing too. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So to me, I think it's pushups and pull-ups. So I, I would be interested next time you do a, a round of that, I would be interested in taking the Rod Hanley challenge. So I'm a big fan of push-ups and pull-ups and, and whole body moves. We had actually just built a gym in our home. 
uh, a garage gym. So really excited. And now does rest come into question number eight? Does rest days off vacations off? Is that part of question eight or is that a, a, above in the hundred percent? No, it is. And let me just say related to the pushups and, and whatever, I actually, uh, messed up by not having a day of rest. Yeah. Yeah. You can, hurt, you can hurt yourself. I mean, there Especially was reason. Our, yeah. I mean, you really can. I got tendonitis super bad in this one elbow and man, I'm on the disabled list for about 30 days because of that. So I rest every seven days and I have a, a complete rest day and I try to apply it, not just the physical side, but also, you know, the Lord did make an accident when he said, we need to rest on the seventh day. So that is a part of this question. Absolutely. And not to, feel guilty, yeah. not to feel guilty about it. It's commanded. So, well, I thought even, you know, even your oxen rest and even your, your heavy equipment needs to rest. It's just not a body thing. We need to let our equipment and our livestock, everything needs to rest. Yeah. And there, it starts wearing out. So, okay, great. So number nine, uh, mm-hmm. I, I love number nine. And I, and I, you wrote this about number nine. You said joy isn't based on emotional feelings or events. It is a deep ongoing certainty and feeling of peace that no matter how, no matter how rotten life is. God is still in control through every situation. Though your self-image may take a beating, real joy is knowing God loves you deeply and unconditionally. Question nine is this, and I want you to unpack this because like integrity and character, joy and happiness have a lot of interchange and and confusion surrounding the two. The question is this, have you allowed any person or circumstance to rob you of your joy? Uh, this question gets the most laughter of our group because <laughs> at the end of the day, you just have to laugh at some of the things that, that life throws at us. And again, you can either uh, choose to be a victim or a victor when those happen. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. we The DMV in our state comes up a lot on this question. And uh, <laughs> you can either walk into the DMV and, and, and know that the Lord is going to provide some great humor or you can let it absolutely crucify you and, and, and just slaughter you. So this, I love this question because it lets me, uh, hold things very loosely and, and, and not to, not to rise to a point of, of just letting something slam me and, and overtake me and, and now get me on a spiral, a downward spiral. So, so this question is a very preventative question because you're looking at things through, uh, humor and a uh, uh, real story, one of our guys sadly had to, uh, uh, his 15 and a half year old dog, he put down on Monday, just a couple days ago. And he shared with us that one of his last things that he did the day before they put him to sleep was they knew he was in bad shape when he walked across their, uh, the floor of their house and, and dumped five loads of turds uh, just, and, and had no <laughs> idea what he was doing. And of course, he's laughing about it. And his wife went in there and got some, you know, trying to get it all uh, picked up. And without her knowing it, the sun had sprayed disinfectant on those five spots. And when she came back out to bend over, she slipped and fell. And in any way, fortunately, didn't break her hip, you know, as, the, as this dog's last, you know, active, whatever. But we got such a, we, we started just la- howling this morning, laughing about it because he could have let that rob his joy. 
but it turned into a very, very, thankfully, not a not a, a event that hurt anybody, but a very humorous event, and actually helped alleviate some of the pain of losing their dog. I mean, this is a this is a this is a family family member to them. In fact, one of the one of the daughters. She lives. She goes to Louisiana Tech University, which is nine and a half hours from Kansas City. She drove back Monday to see, say goodbye to the dog, so she could oh, drive wow. back to back to Louisiana. That's how big of a deal this was. So, anyway, uh, Joy Robert, great question, and it just uh, it, it helps put things in perspective. So, well, you know, there's a friend of mine in Mattoon, Illinois. His name is he's a pastor, Brad Brown. And he said this, and I thought I thought I'll, I'll re. I think he stole it from somewhere, but he didn't give credit. So, you know, the art of originality is not revealing your sources, right? But what he said was this: Was it a bad day or a bad five minutes you milked all day? And so yeah. that that encourages me this morning because there's a a situation going on that could temper could rob my joy, and it's about a five minute situation. So, really do appreciate that. So, hey, the guys have been waiting for question ten. There and I go. read question 10 in the early nineties. I don't know if it was a, if you saw that with Chuck Swindoll and his groups that he used to do, but question 10 is really the question of questions. And uh, you wrote this each week. We close our time together by asking this deliberate question. I can only recall once when we got down to this question and one of our members had to confess that uh, he needed to come clean on the previous answer. And so this is a powerful question and I think it creates a lot of honesty within accountability groups. I'm going to let you unpack it. And the question is, have you lied to us on any of your answers today? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, when I when I share that uh, question at conferences or retreats or seminars, this one always gets a chuckle from the crowd. They just go, oh, here we go. And, and here's what I say in all seriousness, guys, if you're not going to be legit with your accountability partners, don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna give uh, you know a sham report that is filled with with uh, false uh, things, which is not going to be truthful, you are wasting your time with accountability, and and more, you're wasting your buddy's time too. So so this question is purposely put there to say, are you going to be real or authentic or or phony and a fraud? And, and, uh, and this, again, uh, at the time I wrote that, uh, it, that question stops, it stops the other questions from being inaccurate. Yes. You know, it's, you know, it's coming and, 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 and that, and that's why I love it. So, uh, again, I, I, I tell my accountability, uh, people that are curious about the word, I say, if you're not interested in being truthful with God, others and yourself, those, remember those three things we talked about earlier, God, others, and self. If you're not going to be honest in those three, accountability is not for you. It's not for you. So uh, that's the reality of it. Now, that's powerful, man. I really appreciate this. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to be with us. Uh, I'm deeply considering starting an accountability group with these 10 questions. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out the timing of it. But this has been really powerful, and I realize my relationships go to here, and I want them to go to here. They, I want them to go all the way and get down to the really uh, the dirty stuff in the dark corners. And so, hey, how can our guys pick up your resources or get involved in your ministry? What's the best way to get a hold of that stuff? Uh, the website's definitely the best place, characterthatcounts.org. 
And there's a lot of resources there, uh, not just the book that you talked about, Character Counts, who's counting yours, but also the other resources, uh, the 10 questions. We got questions for men, questions for women, questions for teenagers. Uh, you saw Jim in the book. We actually have questions for uh, couples to do this as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not advocating that a man has his wife be his accountability partner, but I'm saying it could be a both and. You do time with your guys and also have a, a separate set of questions for the for your marriage. In fact, my wife and I have locked in on five questions that we do. I give, I think I proposed 40, 43 questions, I think, in the book, 43 potential questions for couples to do. And I say, you know, choose, choose a handful that work for your marriage. So my wife and I, uh, our goal is to get together on a weekly basis and answer those five questions uh, that we go through. And that has brought vibrancy and, and, and stuff to our marriage. So, so that's how you get a hold of our stuff. Uh, I love, I would love to, uh, at a minimum, if, if you guys don't want to purchase the book, uh, send me an email to rhandley at kc.rr.com and I'll send you the template with the covenants. I'll send you, uh, uh, I'll send that to you. Uh, we actually put together a hundred accountability verses. Now, our, the irony, there's no verses with, in my version of the Bible it has the word accountability, but there's a hundred verses I can show you to that have the principles of accountability. And I'd be glad to supply you with that as well. Uh, just so that you're not thinking that you know this is just a Rod Hanley deal, but it's a very biblical, biblical model that the Lord gives us. Um, so I, I'd be glad to provide those at no charge to the guys if they want to reach out that way as well. And uh, I love when guys interface with me, like I mentioned, this 22 year old this week that got a hold of me and says, "I want to, I found a guy, and I want to start, and give me, give me a." Uh, Give me what you got to help me get started in the right direction. So I put together a little package, included the verses, included the covenants, and uh, he's off and running now, you know. And again, it starts with one guy, uh, max four to five is uh, hopefully that's a sweet number you get to. And I will guarantee you, I've got, uh, you didn't mention it, but I, 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 have, I have six guarantees in my book that will happen to a man when he becomes accountable. You're going to grow in your Christian walk. You're going to have deepening friendships, not just in terms of quantity, but quality. You're going to have greater awareness of your, of your areas of sin, your areas of struggle. You're, you know, you're not going to, you're going to be a, a fully engaged in what's going on. You're going to set better priorities. Priority setting is going to take place. You're going to have peace. I mean, I'll be real honest. There was a time in my Christian life without accountability where I was waking up in the morning saying to myself, will today be the day people find out who I really am? Oh, wow. They find out that I am a phony and a fraud and a hypocrite. And just trying to make sure that I didn't get discovered. I mean, that's, that's a heavy load. Yeah. For a guy, you know, ministry is already tough enough. And you add that to the equation, it also becomes an impossibility to keep mm-hmm. all those balls juggling. And then the six, you got a support system. You have, you have guys that are in your corner that are cheering for you and 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 praying for you for specifics and are really engaged in your life. And so I guarantee those six things are going to occur in a guy's life when he says, "Yes, I want to be accountable. I want to be accountable." So, uh, I, if Jim, you don't mind, let me share one quick story. I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard of a study in the book. Uh, let me think what it's called here. Uh, well, 
the concept, I forget the name of the title, but the concept is this thing called alternative history. And there's people that study world events, uh, things that occur, and they ask the question, what, what would have happened if this would have turned out different? For instance, oh. what would the world be like if, if, uh, if Nazi Germany would have won World War II? Or what would have happened if Abraham Lincoln had never been shot or whatever? Well, one of the chapters of her book is what would have happened if Jesus Christ had never been rose from the dead? Oh, wow. And say in that scenario that today's world would look radically different. We'd be like a 16th century China compared to what we're at today. And think about, you know, hospitals would look different, rescue missions, shelters, uh, school education would look radically different if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Wow. So I've asked the question, what would have happened to Rod Hanley if he had never become accountable 30 years ago? Whoa. And here's what I know. I know this for sure. Those 30 books we talked about would have never been written. Mm. The podcasts with me on your show today would have never occurred. Uh, the marriage I have today, I don't know if it exists or would exist. The kids I have a chance to to minister to and work with the the Bible studies, none of that would be happening. I know that. So I know the difference that accountability has made. I know it. I, I've lived it. I've experienced it. And 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 the man you see today uh, is is not a perfect man, but he is so different than what he could have been. Without the, without this simple word called accountability, it would be radically, radically different. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful statement. Guys, Rod, thanks so much for taking the time, this extended time, to walk through these accountability steps, questions. And I really do appreciate that. Guys, let's get our boots on the ground. You've listened to the part two of this podcast. So now what do we do? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, and I am doing this as well, I want you to pray about those 10 questions and how you can grab a, a group of two to three guys, four guys that you trust deeply and walk through these once a week. Have your own accountability group. You can get more information on that at charactercounts.org. And Ron gave you his personal email. So plug into a weekly gathering of men that will help you tra- stay true to yourself. And I'm not talking about a Bible study. I'm talking about accountability. Dale, drive us home, brother. What's next? Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to meninarena.org and check out a free resource in the top right corner of the website there. And until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be an accountable man. Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. 
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.